Dave and Ryan's movie review and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by Nobody. Welcome in to another edition of Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. Take 32. Take 32. We just keep going. Just keep going. Like the little engine that couldn't. That's right. Today we've... <laughs> nice. <laughs> today we're going to, uh, you know, we've got a lot to get through today. A lot of interesting stuff. Uh, we'll talk more about that coming up in just a second. But before we do that, we got to go to Hollywood. Let's go. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, the place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, so interesting because this came out, the, the original story came out, like, I think it was, like, September or even August, uh, composer John Williams walks back his own retirement at the age of 91. Good for him, for yeah. first and foremost. Uh, John John Williams, fabulous composer, has walked back his retirement, saving of previous reports that he'd put down his baton for the final time. I don't care much for grand statements that are firm and finished and surrounded by closed doors. If I made one without putting it in context, then I withdraw it. So good for him. Uh, he told the Times newspaper, if a film came along that I was greatly interested in with a schedule that I could cope with, that I wouldn't rule anything out. Everything is possible. All is before us. Only our limitations are holding us back. Or to put it more simply, I like to keep an open mind. And thank you for that. Yeah. Because this man has done some of the most iconic soundtracks of the last... 50 years? Oh, yeah. I don't think that's stretching it at all. I can remember one of the first soundtracks I can remember him doing was Superman. And I'm yeah. sure there was even one before that. Hey, did see, see Superman, Indiana Jones is on the Jaws. Star Wars, Star Wars, all of them. You know, I mean, anytime that George Lucas wants to do a movie, this guy's there. Yeah. So iconic sounds from a great, great man. And uh, it's good to know that he's still going to be out there helping along. And uh, helping to make movies even better. Uh, the Golden Globes is coming up this Sunday. Uh, let us know the first names for presenters. Amanda Seyfried, Angela Bassett, Suit Stars, Gabriel Mocked, and Patrick J. Adams. You know them? Eh, kind of. Okay. You know, I know someone named Will. Okay. <laughs> uh, George Lopez, Julia Garner, Justin Hartley, Michelle Yeho, and... Uh, or Michelle Yeoh, excuse me, and Will Ferrell make up the first list for presenters that, like I said, this Sunday, uh, Joe Coy is hosting the Golden Globes. Okay, I guess he's safe. It beats Rich, Ricky Gervais yelling at people. Although, does it? Oh, Joe Coy's funny. I like Joe Coy. Yeah, but I, th I, I think the one reason, one of the main reasons that people used to tune in for the Golden Globes is because Gervais was hosting. He's, they just I wanted to see what he said. That. I wouldn't say that. I think they wanted to see what he said. Because the Golden Globes is okay. 
It's just another night for people in Hollywood to get yeah, together and pat yeah. each other on the back. It's no Oscars. No. Anyway, it goes off this Sunday once again, uh, starting at, I believe it'll be 6 p.m. our time, live on CBS, and it will be streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Ooh, Paramount+. Plus. And then uh, some sad news for me, because I was kind of looking forward to it. Uh, Steven Yeun drops out of Marvel's Thunderbolts <laughs> after production was pushed due to strikes. Now, he's, he was set to play... The century in this one, and this is basically Marvel's answer to Superman. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had, of course, with the strikes and everything, everything got pushed back. He had to walk away from it, uh, which is sad. I, I wanted to see him in this one, so they'll have to recast that. Uh, but he still is saying that he wants to do a Marvel movie sometime. He so wants what to be you're part saying, of it. Dave, is I have a chance. You have a chance. That's correct. I'm going to send my resume in. Let's do it. Send some shirtless photos in. Yes. And see what they can do. I have them already. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. So uh, the film is still set to hit theaters in July of 2025. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, We'll be getting some recasting news, I'm sure, fairly soon. I have a feeling that date's going to be pushed back. It's possible. Especially if you don't have this guy. Well, yeah. Well, if they're filming it this year, with all the special effects and stuff they have to do for that movie... It's it's gonna be, like I can see like if they started shooting today, I could see them maybe coming out mid to late summer of next year. Mm-hmm. That's true. So we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that one. All right. So once again, we were talking about the fact that we got a lot to get through today, and uh, the first one is there's not really a lot of new movies that are coming out right now. So we're gonna take a step back. And go see one that we are on completely different ends of the spectrum. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the 2001 Disney movie Atlantis. Talk about that. And then public domain. A lot, have been, a lot of things have been in the news this week yeah. about public domain. That is because public domain day is January 1st every yep. year. And you'll see what's coming out. So we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, if you're going to talk about public domain, because one of the things we're going to talk about in that is a movie so we got to talk about why was this made and, you know, to keep with the theme. And if you're keeping score at home, maybe write this down and remember it. We've got to do an honest movie review. We have things. Sure. It's now time for another honest movie review. Today, we stay in 2023 and look at the horror slasher flick, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. You know, you're the first person I ever shown this place to. Why am I so special? Because soon we'll be Christopher and Mary Robin. You should be close now. We're not going to find them. We will. Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore. We were friends for many years and they're out there. Christopher, we need to leave. Now. When I heard about this movie, I thought, great. Finally, a horror flick I can take the kids to. Boy, was I wrong. The only way this movie could have turned out worse would be with the addition of a Tom Green cameo. Can't wait to speak with you again next week. Okay, so that movie is going to play an integral part in the rest (laughs) of the show today. And it is terrible. And it is horrifying. I've seen bits and pieces of it. But it is horrifying that they would do this to that character. Why is it horrifying? Because it is a timely children's character. And? Okay. And you make fun of me for the fact that I love you, to go you, see movies you, you that have know, senseless violence in well, them. Well, think about this, Dave. 
They they have a like the whole fairy tale fairy tales like with Snow White and all that, and then they have like the Grimm version. Grimm's version, yes. And that's basically what this is, but just a little more hardcore. There was never a Grimm's version of Winnie the Pooh. I'm just like I'm saying, it's like that, but a little okay. more hardcore. Okay, but how many times have they made that version? They can make more. Okay. So it's just the beginning, Dave. All right. So yeah, I, expect more. The great thing about that one is it is now on Peacock. You can go watch it until your heart's content. Give that <laughs> after one that, a watch show. Cocaine Bear. That's right. And then <laughs> it's Megan, just a day of bears. That's right. <laughs> Why not? All right. So we'll be back in just a moment. We'll be talking about Atlantis. So stick around. Everyone on set, shut up! Shut up! These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment one. Action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it. So you're the first to hear about it. Okay, so how we were saying, there there really isn't a lot that's coming out right now at the first of the year. So yeah. we decided we'll go back and look at some movies and uh the first one we kind of looked at, because there was a lull, honestly, and, and Ryan and I will probably talk about this a little bit more. There was a lull in Disney animation after the big The Little Mermaid and yeah, uh, we're, Lion and King we're talking just and straight Beauty up and the Beast. Disney. Animation, not, not, not Pixar. Not, not Pixar. Yet. Yeah, so this one came out in 2001, and it's Atlantis. Rated PG. Going to set you back an hour and 35 minutes. Uh, Michael J. Fox, Jim Varney, James Garner. Uh, John Mahoney, one of my favorite actors, is in this. I had to throw Don Novello in there because anybody that paid attention to old Saturday Night Live will remember the voice of Father Guido Sarducci. (laughs) He's in this. And uh, David Ogden stars. You also have Claudia Christian. And Leonard Nimoy was in this as the Atlantean King. Um, Lots of people helped out with this movie. Uh, You've got a whole list of writers if you want to let them or set them off. What do you got? Three of them there? Yeah, so th- these are just so there's a lot of people that contributed to the story. And that just means like, oh hey, well what if we do something like this? That gets you a credit. Mm-hmm. So there's like eight people who contributed to the story, but the actual screenplay was written by Tab Murphy, who also wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame for Disney and Brother Bear and Tarzan. But also, you know, the two directors, Gary uh, and Kurt also contributed to the story as well. So, honestly, why did this movie do so bad? Well, it's like it's not like it had horrible people at the helm. Well, but you didn't let me put in the one. Maybe he was the one that set everything off because he killed DC basically, and he almost killed Marvel. And it's Joss Whedon was written as, it was given a story credit. Yeah, for it, whatever it's worth. Yeah, not sure what he did. Like I said, there was eight other people that had story credits so that could just be like oh hey what if we what if he goes left instead of right right and and, and as you said the writer <laughs> tab murphy uh three of my favorites honestly the hunchback of notre dame brother bear is probably quietly one of my favorite disney animation movies yeah it was Love pretty good one. and and tarzan so uh basically it's the story of a young linguist named milo thatch who's played by michael j fox and he joins an intrepid group of explorers to find the mysterious lost continent of New Atlantis. Jersey. Yeah. No, Atlantis. That's, that's Atlanta, Jersey. Hence, hence, the, hence the reason it's called Atlantis. Um, I liked the story. I thought it was good. I, 
you've got a lot of reasons here why it went off the rails, and we'll get into those. But, um, you know, Michael J. Fox plays that nerdy character pretty well, even though it was just his voice. Yeah. And uh, James Garner, I mean. And this was right around when he was kind of stepping away it was. from acting. Yeah. And, and James Garner is the voice of the, you don't know it, but the villain. Yeah. I mean, and during that time period where they had some movies that were kind of down, so to speak, for a Disney animated movie. Um, they went out and got some tremendous voice actors, the ones that always come to mind. Uh, Rescuers Down Under, I don't know if you ever saw that one. Yeah. With uh, Tristan Roberts was in that movie. And also George C. Scott was yes. the villain in that one. So, I mean, they went out and got some big name actors. Uh, well, you got Leonard Nimoy in this one, too. Yeah. Everybody loves Spock. Everybody loves Spock. And I didn't think this was a bad movie. I really didn't. It's going to put you back an hour 35. Yes, there were some things in it that were hinky and strange what do you mean my hinky just different different things that happened in the movie that a lot of people kind of like what you've got written down here and so let's talk about it what you thought was wrong i've, I've never really heard anyone say the word hinky before you've but... obviously never watched the movie the fugitive with harrison ford no well i have okay the cops it... say hinky really yes and the other cop says <clears throat> i quit using that word i don't know i don't like it so is that what you're basically uh, yeah, telling I'm, me? Yeah, I'm telling. That's what I'm saying to you, Dave. Don't 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 say that again. Don't use the word hinky. Okay. I'm gonna have to check with the FCC to see if we can say that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like I like I said earlier, um, you know they had good people in charge of this movie. You know Gary and Kurt, they you know they directed The Hunchback of Notre Dame as well, and Beauty and the Beast. That movie is amazing. It was it was what wasn't it the first animated feature nominated for best picture? I think so. I believe it was. Yeah, but even with their all-star cast and veterans at the helm of this movie, the story, you said you liked the story. The overall story had, you know, was okay. But the telling of the story was just done poorly. You know, the the first thing that I noticed in the movie, so at the beginning of, you know, I'm not we're not giving spoilers away. This came out in 2001. So if you, I'm spoiling either, it for you, I don't care. You've had plenty of time to see it. You've either seen it by now or you've just chosen not to. Yeah, like I haven't seen this before. I, I saw this for the first time this, this past week because I knew we were doing this. And like one of the first things I noticed was, so at the beginning of the movie, um, the the king was trying to use their power source as a weapon and he sets off a giant waiver and the city sinks. So, and uh, their, li their little power crystals have ke kept them alive for so long. Um, in, in the show, uh, you find out that, um, uh, oh, what is her name? The, the girl, Atlantean. I can't She's remember. like hundreds of years old. Yeah, I think they said 800. Yeah, she's yeah, like 800. 800. So, so in that time frame, everyone just forgot how everything worked. Like, like seriously, they, they have like these little flying uh, sea creature looking ships that they fly around and do stuff. Everyone just forgot how they worked. Well, and I think that's that's another thing that we need to. That's why they were there. That's why they went on this expedition. Well, yeah, you the, find the, the, out. To find a power source. To find out what the power source was. Then you find out that the power source is really the people of Atlantis as it's their life source. Yeah. It's what keeps them alive. Yeah, but you don't find that until almost halfway through the movie. Right. And by taking away that power source, you're basically killing these people. And, and there is another continuity error right there. So after they take the power source... 
How do all the ships still fly? I don't know. Takes a and, and since nobody knew how these ships flew, suddenly they, everyone, the people who are flying them are suddenly capable enough to do like an aerial battle. It just doesn't make sense. It's, you know, the continuity, the whole thing doesn't make sense. Everyone forgot how to, you know, basically to start the car. And then all of a sudden they're like experts at it. Okay. And the only thing I would say to that is um, when they wrote the story, they were really writing it for 10 to 11 year old kids. This is not a 10 and 11 year old kid movie. This is, a, I would say, maybe maybe 10 to 13. Okay. So they have understanding of things. Okay. They're not writing this for like little, little tiny kids. They're not a 40 There's, year old. They didn't write it for a 40 year old man that hates everything. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Well, when this movie came out, I was in high school. Okay. So I was just a little older than their target audience. Uh-huh. Okay. So still, you know, there's a lot of continuity in this. That's just like when he uh, first meets um, uh, Mole, the guy, the yeah. digger guy, and yeah. the doctor's sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Um, they're, in, they're in their bunk, and uh, the doctor's giving me his physical, and then he's called up to the bridge. So he's oh you know oh who good timing so he leaves the room and the other two stay and then the next shot is him coming up onto the bridge and then suddenly the other two people that were in the bunk are already on the bridge waiting for him maybe they teleported yeah, yeah another Atlantean thing before they found it I guess so that does that doesn't make sense you know and it just kind of seemed kind of forced and pushed along at a lot of a lot of spots like at the very beginning uh he you know it shows him as uh, he's in the uh the museum in the basement and then all of a sudden he's just forced into this basically into this car and uh he meets his uh grandfather's friend and he's kind of like forced on this adventure well and and like i said and, and it could have very well come across as that that might be a good way to put it because yeah this came between this was after, of course, like I said, uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, yeah. The Lion King, huge, huge movies for Disney Animation Studios. And then they had, you know, some people would look at this and say it was a flop. Then they had like Treasure Planet. And that was before they even got into, uh, you know, the um, Lilo and Stitch yeah. that really kind of started to slowly bring it back. And then I think the one that... <laughs> Really brought it back that because my kids to this day and they're in their 20s still love that movie. And it came out 14 years ago and it came out in 2009 was um, The Princess and the Frog. My kids love that movie. Okay. What, what does that have to do with continuity here? Well, no, I'm just saying that you said force. <laughs> uh, you didn't force, say yeah. we were talking about force. Well, force and, and it was kind of It was kind of, you know, wedged in there and they were looking for something that would click. So they may have forced and done things in this movie that they thought were going to work and get them their next, you know, Lion King or something. Yeah, when I say, when I say force on this, I mean, like, the story was forced along. Mm-hmm. Like, usually when you tell a story, there's a reason why you move on to the next step. Instead of, like, um, basically magically finding something and there it is. Or, oh, here, it's out of nowhere. Here's this. Go do that. You know, that, that's what I mean by f- it seemed forced. Mm-hmm. And also, speaking of the old man at the beginning, how was he not in on it? He hired all these people. They were supposedly the same people who found the book. 
with his grandfather, with Milo's grandfather. Yeah, yeah. but in the photo, the old the old man who who basically abducted Milo <laughs> and forced him on this right. adventure, he was in that photo. People become evil when money's involved. Yeah, but he suddenly he's just not. He hires like these this giant army that you know, look like Nazis, you know. They're, you know, they got the whole gas mask bodysuits on and they're doing evil things under um, James Gardner's character and uh, Claudia's, you know, ba- second in charge. And then they have a little falling out at they, the end of the movie, too. Physically. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she. Yeah, they, they definitely do not survive. I would say not. Yeah. So out, out of this, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I still like this movie. I think if you if you just take it it's on disney plus grab it you're looking for something to watch it's a good time it truly is so i'm gonna say give this one i'm gonna give this one three buckets out of five three three out of five yep well, that's that's very generous of you mm-hmm. i'm just gonna give this one two two, two buckets. buckets so there it is atlantis 2001 uh walt disney animation studios not to be confused with a pixar movie animation studios so it's on as i said disney plus grab it and check it out all right, speaking of more Disney stuff, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some public domain things because I'm sure by now you're tired of hearing those two words put together in a sentence. Yeah, well, I, guess what? We're going to talk about it some more. I can't do the voice or I'd be like, oh, boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'll stick around. We'll be talking public domain when we come back. Hey, idiots. We're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment two and action. Okay, so I, I thought that it would be fun to start off this with a definition of public domain. So I looked it up in Webster. So are you ready? Oh, uh, here we go. Okay, We're it is the school. state of belonging or being available to the public as a whole and therefore not subject to copyright. So basically it's saying, you know, you can use this stuff for free now. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, the, the, and the one that everybody has been kind of waiting for happened January 1st of this year. Yes. And it was. But don't get too excited because here's the thing. It was the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Okay. So that's not like the Mickey Mouse that you see at the Disney parks with the tuxedo and the red pants and all that stuff. That's not him. No. The first feature that Mickey Mouse was in he played a character called Steamboat Willie, designed a little differently, not a lot, but he was clothed differently, and it was all in black and white. Yep. So he is actually in the Disney parks. You can see him there, and that's the version that has hit the public domain. And, and as we said, now people can use this and not have to pay Disney exorbitant amounts of money for their copyright. Now, yep. Mickey Mouse is still covered under copyright. At the, the, the one Mickey that Mouse, they used today. that version, yes. He's still protected. Uh, the, the unfortunate thing about this one is with the Steamboat Willie version, you also get a version of Minnie Mouse mm-hmm. that, that was in the same, same flick. So it's a complicated mess and, and protections about Disney, but he is, or about Mickey, excuse me, but he's safe right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the coming years, you will see uh, other characters from Disney like Pluto will become, I think he's next year. I believe Donald Duck is next year as well. So, it, and it's basically a hundred years. Yep. And Disney was kind of at the beginning of this lawsuit and tried to get out ahead of it years ago. And Congress said, no, after a hundred years, 
You're either going to protect it by copyright or other people are going to be using it. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Uh, And as I said, Duke Law School, the Center for the Study of Public Domain, publishes a list every year on January 1st of what is coming out and being uh, let go and let loose into the public domain. This year, of course, as we said, uh, Mickey and Minnie, the Steamboat Willie version, uh, D.H. Lawrence's scandalous, often censored Lady Chatterley's Lover. Mm. Yes. Uh, another one, A.A. A. Milne's House at Pooh Corner, which introduced the character Tigger. We're going to talk more about that coming up in just a little bit. And then this one I found interesting because it is a Victor Hugo novel called The Man Who Laughs. And it was it's widely known as inspiring. The main character, The Man Who Laughs, uh, is inspired the look of the Joker in Batman. Sometimes nice. you'll see an old timey picture mm-hmm. of the guy that's got the big smile on his face, and everything. that's that's from this. Uh, also entering this year was Peter Pan, which isn't technically a Disney property anyway. No. It's a book that yep. was written by someone else. The first eleven Tarzan books, and then you have other characters like Robin Hood. Um, most of the characters from The Wizard of Oz, Zorro. And most of your like original movie monsters like Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, those characters like that are already into the, in the public domain. Yes. Uh, the one that we talked about today that I don't know what they will do because this could be interesting. You have to wait until 2034, but Superman will hit the open market in 2034 and Batman will come out the next year in 2035, Wonder Woman in 2036, as will Captain America. In 2036. Now, with that all said and done and talked about, this opens up a huge, huge market for these characters. Oh, yeah. And and we've seen plenty of them right now. You even had to come up with one on your own here and create a, a, a Mickey Mouse public domain kind of uh, picture. I did, yeah. I, I was using one of those uh, those brand new, you know, AI image creators and... and Mickey Mouse is free game now, so I started making some, and Jordan was not happy. He is a huge <laughs> Disney fanatic, and he was not happy. Well, and, and you know, uh, that leads to the next question, too, and, and we are going to get into this a little bit more uh, coming up in the last segment, but do you think, because you as a guy that creates content and makes content and those kinds of things, do you think that things like this going into the public domain are good or bad? It doesn't really depend, I guess. I don't know. Well, the the way I look at it is um, the original creator of some of something like this is long dead. You know, like I said, the 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 doesn't go into public domain until a hundred years later. Whoever creates something, they're usually not a, a baby, <laughs> so they're either in their. 20s or 30s uh i think walt disney was in his 20s or 30s when he made this so you know walt disney you know he's he's passed away and i'm sure you know he wants his his uh his creation be it you know made into a nice you know the way he wanted it intended to and that's what the disney company is doing but it also gives an opportunity to tell a story in a different way like look look at a um Cinderella and look at uh, Snow White. There's been many versions of those of that story told. Some of them good, some of them bad. But it gives people an opportunity to express their own 
kind of like their own way of that. And honestly, I think that's good. Yes, you're going to get a lot of creepy ones right at the beginning because people are horrible humans. And so they'll make horror films with lovable characters just because they can. Yeah, well, but eventually and- it's going to flatten out and you'll get some really good stories. And, and really, when you start talking about the people that do those... It's a cash grab. It's straight up cash grab. Yeah. There's no oh, other hey, way around look, it. Mickey, Winnie the Pooh is murdering people. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about that coming up. We're talking about it now. Oh, yeah. But we're going to talk more in depth about that movie in particular. Oh, is that bit. one of your things? Yeah, that is. Okay. That is. But, you know, <laughs> and the other thing that we talked about, too, is that anything can go out into the public domain. Movies. Yeah, there are movies. Books, music. Not just characters and novels and things yeah. like that. Uh, today we were talking about Charlie Chaplin. Yep. His stuff. Yeah, you can't, you know, Charlie Chaplin as a person, you can't, you know, you can't use a living person. Like, you can um, reference them and do your version of them, but you can't as their actual person. Like, you can do Abraham Lincoln. That's fine. Uh-huh. With Charlie Chaplin, he, you know, you can play the character that he is known for as uh, the tramp. You know, you, you there's plenty of movies where uh, people play a tramp character that's kind of like Charlie Chapman, but their version of it. Right, and that that is that character in particular is in public domain right yes. now. Yes, the tramp. But as as you were saying, Charlie Chaplin, the actor, the human, the person, is not, and he is protected by. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's like a Charlie Chaplin Enterprises or something like that yeah. that that protects his likeness rights. Yeah, like when we were talking earlier, we were talking about Elvis. Um, you know, the, the Elvis um, know, the corporation or whatever that is right. The, the people who run like uh, Graceland, they own all the rights to Elvis and all that stuff. So, and like his image and likeness, um, I'm I'm sure there's uh, there's a time frame where you can use. Like because like we use Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. but he's all, he was also a public figure, mm-hmm. and public figures are exempt of that kind of stuff. Right, and then there's other ones, and I can't remember who it was when I was looking this up and, and things. There are other characters out there that are not public domain. They are public domain as long as you're not profiting off of the image of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's. There, there, uh, there's a bunch of laws that I'm not 100% familiar with. I do, you know, the public domain when it comes to like, movies and stuff like that, I'm more familiar. But, like, when it comes to actual, like, people. Like, you know, I can't go out and make a Dave Hokinson movie. <laughs> I can, as long as the main character doesn't look like you. <laughs> That's a plus. <laughs> but but it is, and it's it's a kind of a... It's, it's hard to get into. It really is, because there are so many different little angles and things to talk about when you get into public domain because yeah. it just is it's like the one thing i was going to say is you know when we do our movie reviews and we post them on youtube we have clips mm-hmm. of the movies in there but we pay for that yes there, there's copyrighted material and you pay for that so it, it it's just one of those things that copyright and you know, I mean you can get on and read and get just as confused as i did because it starts with public domain and then it goes into copyrights and trademarks and patents and yeah. <laughs> they're all kind of a yeah. Kind of the same, but and different. Like, w- with the trailers we use and stuff like that, most of that stuff is uh, marketing yes. tools. So they're releasing it to be used. As long as you don't take it and make money for it. So like if we took uh, their trailers and charged people to view our uh, segments, that's when we would get in trouble. But right. since it, everything's free. It's crazy. Yep. It is crazy. All right. So coming up, 
we're going to talk about one of the movies that we kind of touched on in this one, and we did a bad movie, uh, honest movie review of it too. And that the main reason that it was made, why it was made, it was it was part of the public domain, and it could be made. That's yeah. what it is. So we're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment. So stick around. All right, in the souls, everyone, quiet down. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment three. And action. There are some questions that have no logical answers. Like, why do some people think Vin Diesel can act? Or why do they keep making those damn Medea movies? Seriously, give me an answer. You can't. Like pretty much every Tyler Perry movie, there are some that should never be made. But unfortunately, some Hollywood studios thought they could make a quick buck. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some movies that have a very interesting backstory that have actually been quite appealing. Good or bad, Dave and Ryan have been tasked with answering this impossible question. Why was this movie made? All right, last segment time. And I love talking about these kind of movies because they're just so bad. And you look at it, and whether it was made because they're, they think they've got a fan base or whether they thought it was just a great idea, 90% of the time it just does not equate to that. So Ryan's got a couple. I've got one, and we're going to talk about those. So, Ryan, I'm going to let you get started. Why was this made? Who's our first victim? All righty. So the first movie that I'm going with um, is from 2010. It's rated PG, and it's The Last Airbender Oh, don't you if, have to say M. If, Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender? Yeah, yeah, if you've seen this movie, you've regretted it your entire life. It was just such a bad movie. Like I said, it was directed and the screenplay was written by M. Night Shyamalan. That, does, that doesn't mean like, like when we talk about writer and screenplay, a writer comes up with the story. Uh, if a person uh, who's coming, who's like adapting, because this is a this is an a, this was an animated series on Nickelodeon, and so basically he took that and he wrote a, kind of a, a story to adapt it to live action. So he wrote the screenplay for it, which was uh, I think about the first couple of episodes. Is he kind of crunched them all together and it just went horribly awry. Um, so um, the cinematography on this movie looked amazing and that's because of the late andrew uh lesney which you might recognize him because he did all the lord of the ring movies he was peter jackson's guy yeah so you know the movie looks well and it's if i can remember i I, it's been a long time since i've seen it if i can remember correctly a lot of like sweeping landscapes and and big beautiful shots am i right or am i wrong there for lord of the rings no for last airbender yeah, uh, so they did a lot of landscape because it, it takes place, uh, basically the whole story takes place uh, at, um, I believe it's like the Southern Ice Village. So, you know, there's, you know it's a lot of uh, like landscapes and stuff like that. But they also do a lot of, you know, good stuff uh, lighting wise. Um, and special effects were uh, fairly decent on this one. You know, 2010, they were kind of getting to the point where it was, it didn't look horrible. Um but yeah, um, you know, the stars, uh, Dave Patel you, as Prince Zuko. He, you recognized him from Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, Cliff Curtis, he played Fire Lord Uza. Uh, he was, you might recognize him from the Meg movie series. A fabulous series. Yeah. 
The book uh, was so good. Yeah, the book was amazing. <laughs> Jackson Rathbone uh, played Soka. You'll know him from the Twilight series. Uh, Nicola Paltz Beckham, who played... Uh, I mean, uh, I can't say these names. Katara? Uh, she was from Transformers, the one that with Marky Mark. He okay. played the daughter. Uh, Noah Ringer played Aang, uh, the main character. And you might recognize him from uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Um, very why? underrated movie. <laughs> yeah, very, very. It is. I like Cowboys and Aliens. I did, name. too. But uh, basically, why this movie was made, the show was very popular. And it was kind of in transition between... Um, that series, and then they came out with a second series, because uh, I guess uh, the Avatar, when the Avatar dies, it's reincarnated into someone else, and so it, it was the continuation, so it was kind of in between those series, and basically they, they just wanted money. They're like, oh, everyone loved the TV yeah, series, so let's go out and you know make a cash grab movie. You know, this movie had a budget of $150 million. And it made just under $132 million domestically and just under $188 million worldwide. So, yeah, it did not do good. Didn't make its money back. And, yeah. and like I said, and there was no twist ending. That was one of the... <laughs> that's probably why people hate it. Yeah. The, the thing about it is, it, it is like you were saying, they felt like they had a instant audience already. Yeah, well, well they, they were playing off of um, not, not just uh, the... the TV series, but M. Night Shyamalan was a really big name mm-hmm. right around that time. And then also, uh, Dev Patel, he just got done with Slumdog. He was a big name. So they had three things going for them, but the story was just complete dog doo-doo. So you're trying to tell me that the main character couldn't see dead people? No. Wow. That would have been a better twist. It could have been. Needed yeah. it. It was, yeah. Overall, I would say don't watch this movie. And if you've already seen it, I'm sorry. You, you'll you pay him for it. No. Just send it here. Send the bill to M. Night Shyamalan. There you go. All right. So mine, we've already discussed it a, a little bit. And we thought that it would be fitting to talk about it this time around. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey just came out uh, last year. But here's the thing about this movie. Had a $100,000 budget. It made $4.9 million worldwide. Well, of course, you know, like you said, this was... Uh, you're not well, paying for really anything. Yeah, You're paying to see Winnie the Pooh, who's a lovable character, yeah. be something he's not. That's uh, what people were paying for. Yeah, so the overall movie was bad. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes score was 3% on critics, 50% on the audience. And then I got this just for you. IMDb, 2.9 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, tracks. The basic story is this. Uh, Christopher Robin grows up, goes off to college. And... The, so this is a Toy Story the movie. The kids <laughs> at the the animals at Pooh Corner in the Hundred Acre Wood feel like he has left them. So they lose their humanity, and they go back to their animalistic ways, and they become feral. And right out of the gate, there's a little story before the movie starts that shows how this all happened. And the first thing that they did, because they had a rough winter... And we'll talk about where they went wrong as far as I'm concerned here in just a moment. But um, they decided they were going to have to eat somebody. And they ate Eeyore first. Mm. I would have went with Piglet. Piglet's so small. But it's pork. It's bacon. It's, you know. If they got a Eeyore sp- was sad and honorary all they the time. They have to survive the whole winter. 
Eeyore was sad and ornery all the time. He was probably very tough. Just going to put that out there. So you decide what you want to do. And then after, of course, after getting a taste for blood, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet set off to find a new source of food. And it's not long before their bloody rampage begins. Those stinking campers hanging out. <laughs> and, and like I said, this movie was made because it was a cash grab. Straight yeah. up cash grab. They could do it, so they did it. And I, you and I have differing views on this movie. I think that this is a... The premise of to do this to a loved character like that is just wrong. Why? Because you've got these instilled, these kids that love Winnie the Pooh. This is not made for those kids. I understand that, but the logic is still out there. The people are still out there that enjoy Winnie the Pooh. And for them to do this to this character is just wrong. And I am glad that this movie fell flat on its face. Obviously, it didn't fall flat enough because we're going to get a sequel this year. And why are we going to get the sequel? Because Tigger's available. Because Tigger's available now. So look for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey in theaters. Coming up this fall. Tigger Strikes Back. I don't think it's Tigger Strikes Back. <laughs> oh. That's why I, I, I don't know. It can get really inventive with the way Tigger yeah. kills but, people. You, you know, I don't, I don't care much for the, those type of movies, but, you know, people can make them. It, they can, and they should, because other people get ideas, and that's how basically the idea ball keeps rolling. And eventually, you're going to get a decent story. It's not always going to be blood and honey. Maybe. And then the other thing, too, that I wanted to say is a add kind of to the end of this one is now with the steamboat willie character available yes you're gonna get the same treatment for mickey mouse's steamboat willie character and it will be coming out later this year as well poster i don't know if it's true or not it was basically it was on a boat it was a steamboat willie one and it was said uh, a Rob Zombie presents yeah, Steamboat Willie. Yeah. I was like, I doubt that would be awesome. I don't think they're going to do that. But <laughs> yeah, I, so Steamboat Willie, now that he's available and in public domain, you'll get that movie later this fall. Too. Yeah. So that should also tell you how great of a quality movie it's going to be. So within seven months, they're yeah. going to churn out yeah, a movie. These are definitely, you know, these these are basically like uh, back in the back in the 80s and 60s, you know, those, those B-rate movies. That, yes have such a horrible low budget and the special effects are horrible. Which maybe it's but, a, niche, a niche that's missing. But those movies paved the way they did. to better movies. They did. All right, so there. I'm going to step down off my soapbox now, and you can talk about the final one before we get out of here. All right, so my last movie came out in 2009. It's rated PG, and it's Dragon Ball Evolution. Mm. This movie was crap. <laughs> And I take personal offense to it. You know, it's it's based off of the, the Dragon Ball uh, anime uh, from uh, Japan. Um, it was directed by James Wong, who did the Final Destination 1 and 3 uh, with, with some other ones. It was written... James Wan? Wong. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the writer was Ben Ramsey, who had didn't do anything before this movie and hasn't done anything since this movie. Yes, this movie killed his career because it was horrible now this is based off of uh like i said original characters from dragon ball by akira uh toriyama he actually uh he's basically like the george lucas of this series um he actually came out of retirement and said um he's gonna make sure the future dragon ball ball stories are not anywhere near as terrible as this movie because it was it's just a giant piece of crap 
they don't follow the original storyline at all. Kind of like um, M. Night Shyamalan didn't follow the Avatar storyline. Changed a whole bunch of things. People were not happy. Uh, the cinematographer on this was Robert McLaughlin. Um, he did some episodes of Game of Thrones. Re- just recently, he did uh, the 1923, uh, the Yellowstone prequel with Harrison Ford on it. So, he, you know, he's got some credentials, but he he couldn't even save this movie. You know, this stars uh, Emily Roshman. Uh, she plays Bowman. You might recognize her from Shameless. Uh, Jamie Chung played Chi-Chi. She was in Grown Up, Sucker Punch, Big Hero 6. Uh, Chow Young Fat. A lot of people know him. He's from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, James Masters played Lord Piccolo. Uh, you'll know him from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, Angel, Angel, I believe, Angel. Is the one that came after that. Uh, Justin Catwin played the lead, uh, Goku, and he's also you'll also recognize him from Shameless. Uh, but why was this made? Same reason that The Last Airbender. They had a giant following. And they were trying to cash in on that, but they had the basically they had Americans uh, trying to make a Japanese animation story, uh, who never seen any of the uh, animation show, so they had no idea about anything. And they've actually come out and press, and I think it was uh, Ben Ramsey who said that um, he'd never watched it before, so he didn't really understand. So he made all these changes, and that's why it was horrible. This movie had a $30 million budget. It made $9.4 million domestically and $56.5 worldwide. This movie is horrible. If you've seen it, just like the Avatar movie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's go find their houses and burn it down. All right. So I've got a question. Did, were, you, were you a Dragon Ball Z kind of guy? Did you follow it at all? Yeah. What's my last name? Okay. So here's my question. <laughs> it's like... Though. I had to be. Okay, here's my question, because it's a question that's always out there. Uh-oh. Who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Vegeta. Who's that? The other character. Oh. They're more powerful? Yeah, it's, you know, Goku's the main character uh-huh. in the series. Uh, Vegeta is kind of, um, he's, 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 he's the same species, and um, he's just a little... You know, in the story, he always he's always the one who's just not quite there. All right, so there you have it from from Ryan Piccolo. Vegeta would not Goku <laughs> would beat I, Superman I just in can't, a fight. I, I don't like the Goku character. That's just me personally. I know there's plenty of people who Is do. Is it the hair? Is it the- no. <laughs> are, you, are you saying because I don't have a lot of hair? Well, I'm just putting that out there. It's like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. You know, I'm pretty sure that you, you know hate- who my other favorite character is on there. Huh. Piccolo. Oh, I would imagine <laughs> that would be the case. Also, I, I wouldn't ask you to pick between, you know, uh, who's your favorite character, someone that can read or somebody that can't. Wow. So why are you getting personal, Dave? I'm just saying. I'm gonna go slash your tires. Okay. It's out there in the parking lot. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody, have a great weekend. There are movies out there. There really are. Go out, see a movie, enjoy it. Get out into your theaters and uh, give them a little love. And let's let's try and make 2024 the year that, you know, going out to the movies and seeing movies uh, comes back and, and we do great things for the theaters again. Get out there because that's how these are supposed to yep. be seen. We talk about it all the time. You have directors that say that as well. So go out. Go to your local theaters and see a movie. Go see a movie. There's good ones out there. That's right. We'll talk to you next week.
Dave and Ryan's movie review.